They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is gonna be fun. Up we go. Into time and space! Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and elf, Philip Gilfus. <laughs> Yay! You're too big to be an elf. That's elfist. So, happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas! So, I'm sure you're listening to this on Boxing Day or someday afterwards, but it is Christmas for us as we record today. Yes. So, we've opened up our presents, or most of them anyway, this morning, and then had a getaway brunch. Yes. And now we're back yes. here. Yes, and of course, we ran away from home for Christmas. That's right. So, we're doing this in a hotel room, so hopefully there'll be no weird background noises as we record. There will be lots of weird background noises, I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Any particular highlights from your Christmas morn? From my Christmas or this week? morn? I'm quite happy with brunch today. I'm mm-hmm. glad we found a place that was open. That was very kind of people to uh, give up their time from their own families to feed ours. That was good. Your mom did give us a TARDIS stocking. She did, yes, which <laughs> makes, makes the TARDIS noise and everything. Mm-hmm. So there was not... More inside than there were bath salts. That's a good thing. Right. It was not bigger on the that's inside. What I'm that's that's about. what you're, your entire Christmas selection did not fit in there. Right. But if I'd tried hard enough, I think your giant Snickers bar would have done. That's true. What were your highlights today? <laughs> well, I had so many good things. Haven't had time to go through them all. And I have a book I'm reading that I brought from home. And then I got new things as well. And of course, we'll have things waiting for us when we go home tomorrow. The cat. Other things as well. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, and you got some uh, podcasting. I got gifts. loads of time and space things, yeah. which I'm very excited about. I have a bag with the time and space logo. I have a coffee mug, a travel coffee mug with time and space logo. Mm-hmm. And I have a framed artwork of time and space. So, and, and, and I got my very own microphone and headphones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if we get to a place in our relationship where we're like, we need to do this from separate rooms. Or you do your spinoff podcast. Or I do my spinoff podcast without you. Yeah, try to do your, your soul, Sarah Jane. <laughs> yeah, I am it. Soul, I assume, S-O-U-L. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I am set for that. I'm becoming properly official and everything. Cool. Now, one of the things, of course, we did this morning in our Christmas tradition. Brunch. Right, and? Brunch. Oh, our Dr. Tenth Christmas surprise book. Yes. So this is our of our Dr. Mr. Doctor, whatever series. Yeah, we are coming to the end. There's only one left. But this was the Christmas special, so... This was nice. I didn't know really what to expect at all, but it was Donna. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Getting attacked by all sorts of Christmas things. Yep. The snowmen. Right. You know what they're like. And Santa. And all the Santas and a Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. They were attacked by a Christmas tree, yo. Yeah. That is hardcore. Fortunately, Donna still had her hot chocolate. Yep, and so, saved the day. Uh, her, her hot cocoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was nice. So one of the things I 
bought or surprised you with was a Doctor Who Mad Libs. Yes, you want to play? Yeah, so I thought we would take turns okay. um, doing some Mad Libs here. Do it first. And we have to be a little fast here so we don't bore the listeners. Okay. So here we go. So, um, I do people know how Mad Libs work, right? Like I explain assume it? so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know. If not, I feel like they'll figure it out as we go along. Okay, so we're going to have to do this quick here. Okay, so, plural try. noun. Children. Okay. I'm going to have to write really quickly, which doesn't go well because then I can't read it. Adverb. Slowly. Okay. Adverb. Quickly. Adjective. Pretty. Okay. Noun. Tree. Adjective. Oh, there's all this pressure now. Um, an adjective. A, it doesn't even have to make sense. It does, I know it doesn't. I'm not looking at it. An adjective is nice. Okay, verb ending in ing. Running. And then number. Three. Okay, plural noun again. Geese. Okay, and then adjective again. <laughs> Sweet. And then verb. Run. And then noun. Person. And then adjective again. <sighs> You're killing me here. Uh, fancy. And then noun. Ceiling. And then adjective. <sighs> what are you doing? Beauty. Beautiful, maybe? Okay. Beauty. Yeah, you're right. And then plural noun? Uh, squirrels. <laughs> Were you distracted just then? <laughs> uh, pen's dying. Verb? Uh, walk. Walk. Another noun? Picture. And then your favorite adjective? <laughs> mean. Mean. Okay. Yep. So this is the story we created. It's called A New Day. It takes a lot of children to be the doctor. Mm. It's more than slowly traveling across space and time in a pretty blue tree. The doctor must be heroic, kind, and most importantly, extraordinarily nice. Mm. After running the universe for over three centuries, the doctor has met innumerable geese. Each one has their own sweet story about the doctor's remarkable ability to run. Equipped with nothing more than a sonic person and a fancy grin, the doctor can outwit even the most nefarious ceiling. The doctor is both beautiful and fearless in the face of overwhelming squirrels. But it's really the doctor's compassion, empathy, and ability to walk that separates this Time Lord from every other picture in the mean universe. Yep, I think it works. I uh, think it works well. Well, speaking of creating stories, that's yes. our topic today. Christmas and stories. Yes. So we are going to be sharing our Christmas specials that we wrote since there, of course, is no Christmas special this mm -hmm. year, 2018. But we, of course, look forward to the New Year's coming a week from hence, Absolutely. at least for us. Yep. And so, Jessica, you can go first. Excellent. All right. So, I open up with... No. Do you have a title? No, I do not have right, a title. We'll have to think of a title at the end here. Then. Yes, please. I am happy for suggestions. So... Opens up with the doctor announcing with everybody in the TARDIS that she has gotten everybody home for Christmas. And they step out of the TARDIS and Sheffield is lit up beautifully. It's nighttime. It's Christmas Eve. And, and, and the doctor is very, very proud of herself for getting <laughs> everyone home. Except uh -oh. all of her companions have a bit of hesitation. Okay. First of all, Yaz <laughs> doesn't celebrate Christmas. Right. Because she's Muslim. Right. Yep. And the do uh, and Graham and Ryan don't really want to go off into the darkness of the Christmas holidays by themselves without Grace, and it's a thing. And by the way, I'm gonna have to point out 
we almost have the exact same beginning. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> but go ahead. So, everybody piles back in the TARDIS. The Doctor has a fantastic new idea. They're going to go visit some old friends. Okay. And they're going to introduce... The Doctor's going to introduce them to new friends. She's very excited. She's like, you guys are going to love these people. Um, it's their family, uh, including the drunk uncle. Ooh. I know, right? Family, doctor's family. I'm, my ears are perked up. Yes. And Graham's like, is there going to be food? <laughs> and the doctor's like, of course, there's going to be a veritable Christmas feast. Mm-hmm. So they step outside. Okay. So after the TARDIS, right? Zoom, 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 zoom. Yep. And they're in Victorian England. Okay, so far, pretty pretty on point for a Doctor Who Christmas yes, special. Yes, that's sort of what I thought. Mm-hmm. And so they go knock on the door. Right. And you can hear this hushed, con- hush, intense conversation on the other side. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have time for visitors, Jenny. And then, but mom, we mustn't be rude and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And the door opens mm-hmm. and Madame Vastra's oh. standing there with Jenny peering over her shoulder. And Madame Vastra's like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, Madame Vestra! Mm-hmm. And Madame Vestra's like, we're not taking on new cases. And she goes to close the door. And mm-hmm. the doctor's like, but wait, it's me! Mm-hmm. And and Jenny looks closer, but Madame Vestra's still having none of it. She says, I don't know you. And the doctor says, it's me, I've just changed my face. And Jenny says, Mom, look, it's the doctor! And so they have this moment of, oh, the doctor, look at her, oh. And Madame Vastra says, oh, doctor, thank God, and pulls them all in. There's no time for introductions for anybody. Strax is gone. Okay. The Santarans came and took him, and now he's helping them wage war on Earth. Okay. Turn about there. Yes. So, they all have to go looking for the Santarans. And this is where, to be perfectly honest, uh-huh. Graham and Ryan sort of step off to the side. I don't know. They stay in the house. Whatever. It's not important just yet. Maybe uh, maybe because Strax is gone, they have to do all the chores. Yes. Oh, I like it. Yes. They have to do all the chores. So they have to get things ready. So, they split up. And the Doctor and Madame Vastra find Strax amongst his people. But he is immutable. He is there to help the Santarans. They are his people. This is who he is. He is helping them. Back with his family. He is back with his people. His clone pod, whatever they call it. Yes, and and obviously the Doctor and Madame Vastra talk about, you know, no, but you've been so good and you've helped in so many ways and you've been so much better than you were. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Strax is having none of it, none of the pleadings, the happy memories. He is ready to do what he was born to do. Mm-hmm. For the glory of the Santaran Empire. Exactly. Meanwhile, Yaz and Jenny have come upon yet another group of Santarans and been taken hostage. Okay. And thrown into a prison cell. Now, Jenny can take care of herself. So no, she absolutely... Yeah, but it's the Santarans. Okay. So, Guns no, there's, there's not... A, yeah, no. it, it. they ended up having to go fairly subdued. Uh-huh. Uh, but while they're in the prison cell, Jenny and Yaz get to have this lovely conversation about their roles as companions right. to very strong women. Okay. And the whole idea of playing second fiddle, 
even though they each have their own strengths, you know, Yaz is Yaz is a police investigator, and mm-hmm. sometimes she finds herself underutilized while working with the doctor and wondering if she should go back to the police instead of traveling around the world. But of course, then you don't get to travel around the world, and there's all of these sorts of things. And so we haven't we haven't heard uh, Yaz sort of. Uh... Voice these things before, so yes. is this just uh... yes? This whole idea of how useful am I? Am I just a sounding board right. when I have so many other skills? And of course, Jenny can relate to that because Madame Vostra is very much a mm-hmm. a strong woman, and Jenny's had to deal with things, and they get to talk about the doctor changing and how. The doctor is different Doctors from what they... a bit they... more fetching than I remember. <laughs> yes, exactly. I would like a moment like that somewhere, either from Jenny or Vastra or both. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as if they're complaining, but more of their, their identity and their role and their usefulness. And they're finding common ground amongst themselves. Right. Yes. So And, and uh, Yaz also talks about how... You know, she sort of wonders if she should go back to the police um, and that world that she lives in, but she doesn't necessarily relate to her own family, didn't even before all of this started. And and so we really get to see a lot of Yaz here, which mm-hmm. I think is useful. And also Jenny ultimately points out that it's love. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, not necessarily romantic love, but it's love. It's absolutely love. So... They have this wonderful moment, and then they're dragged to the main hall of the spaceship. Mm-hmm. The Doctor and Madame Vostra are still there pleading their case, mm-hmm. and Yaz and Jenny have been dragged there by the Santarans to show that the Santarans mean business, and they are going to execute Jenny and Yaz as a demonstration of their power and their evil intent. Now, to show his loyalty, to show he's fully on board, Strax is like, I got this. Mm-hmm. I am going to kill them. I am going to defeat the infidels or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. All four women are pleading with him and pleading with him. But ultimately, it's Jenny mm-hmm. and his connection with Jenny who finally breaks through. And, you know, she she talks about the affection she has built for him. And ultimately... Strax finds himself unable to kill the boy. (laughs) Shut up, boy! Yes. And so he defects from his natural instincts and pulls the plug, metaphorically speaking, on the Santaran invasion. And so everybody returns triumphantly to, and this is literally what I have written down, Uh. to what I assume is 221B Baker Street. (laughs) I assume that's what they're going for here. Graham, fun. You know know what I would like if it was 221A? Oh, yes, right next door. They're like, what's next door? Like, they're not really that. (laughs) They're not very interesting. No. Uh, Graham finally gets his Christmas meal, and everybody is sitting together and enjoying the meal. All I did was play a little boy and got (laughs) fried turkey down for the block. Yes. (laughs) I kind of love that. The turkey that's as big as him. Perfect. (laughs) And they discover that Christmas is about family in whatever shape or form your family is. It's all about the fam. Mm-hmm. The end. I like because I, I see like at the last minute, you know, very stereotypical that Strax is going to pull the trigger and instead he fires on something that's you know important, the computer or something like that. Yes, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. I like it. 
Yeah. So all about family. A little bit more Yaz, which we've all been yearning mm-hmm. for. Um, It'd be interesting to also get a little more Jenny backstory because we really don't know anything about her. Absolutely. So like you know, Yaz talks about her in there, and then Jenny talks about where she came from, and maybe how she met. Uh, maybe it's been discussed how they met, but I don't remember. Yeah. So. But yeah, that whole backstory of the the, se- the secondary character, you know, the mm-hmm. the literally the companion of a strong woman, as mm-hmm. I said, you know, because because that's something that none of the doctor's companions have had to deal with before. Right. Uh, but it's something that Jenny is well versed in, you know, so. I, and I do like how uh, you'll throw this to all the shippers when Jenny and, and and Yaz are talking, and she's like, you know, oh, you look at you, you're in love, and Yaz is like, I beg your pardon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, come and, again, yes, and, and, like, and so you have that potential hint of things, but it doesn't. Right. Again, it's not necessarily about like it is with all of the doctors and their companions. It's not necessarily about romantic love. Well, you say that. Well, yes, <laughs> the attempt for it not to be all right. about romantic love, but instead about this deep abiding respect and admiration for each other. And mm-hmm. and, and the realization that even though Yaz has not yet gotten a chance to show what she's got, she is still a vital part. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was important for me in this to give a little bit of Yaz here. She needs it. I'm almost thinking, and this is sort of playing with titles, like Home for the Holidays mm-hmm. or something like something with family. Yeah. Because it's sort of going to be the spin that Strax has found his home. Yes. You know, absolutely. Back home for the holidays. Absolutely. You know? So I don't know what we could do. Something with family or, or that or something. Yeah. So yeah. We, we will take uh, Twitter suggestions yeah. for, our t- for the title of this one. Sure. All right. Well, I like it. Thanks. I like it. Yeah. Very good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I was very happy to bring the. The Paternoster gang back back into the into the fold, and I love the idea of, particularly as you say, Jenny recognizing the Doctor and being like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> this is new." Because <laughs> I mean, I think the bigger theme, because you know, I'm always about meaning and themes, but like uh, with family, but finding your role in the family. So with Yaz and Jenny, you know, you know, because Jenny can talk about the things that she's learned and she's developed. And then, you know, and, you know, however that discussion goes, we don't have to write it right now. But as you said, sort of defining their roles. Yes. And the idea that family is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, none of these people are related. And, you know, Strax. Found family. Or- yeah. Strax has the opportunity to go back to his cultural family. Right. But that's not ultimately. It's it's much more about choosing the people mm-hmm. who make up your family, and there's something very special in that. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's break it up with this time turning the tables. All right. So we're going to do another Mad Libs. I'm running this show now. All right. I'm under the heat lamp. Now. Yeah, you are. See how you do. I need an adverb. Slowly. That's how one hour noise gets us. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Plural noun. <laughs> Bushes. Another one. Bunnies. Adjective. Big. A place. Tehran. Tehran. I know what you know where it is. <laughs> she gave I just me a thought look. it was unusual. Adjective. Purple. <laughs> You're gonna be mad. Color. Oh. <laughs> look, a color is an adjective. I will go with white. Plural noun. Candy canes. Part of the body. Nose. Part of the body. Toes. Plural noun. Cups. Verb. Ending in ing. Smelling. Noun. Tissue. Noun. 
Rug. Exclamation. Achoo. Uh, part of the body. Thumb. Same part of the body. Hold on, I got this one. And adjective. Engorged. <laughs> All right, here we go. The cloister bell sounds Ding. as the doctor slowly pulls on bushes and presses the multicolored bunnies on the control panel. Ow. Oh, great. Another big landing. You brace yourself, hoping this destination will be better than the last trip to Tehran. Suddenly, the doors swing open and reveal a purple-white sky and the delightful smell of candy canes. Hmm. Come on, the doctor calls as he grabs your nose and pulls you into this new world. Does it say he? Yep. Oh, okay. I oh, know. Let's change the she. Yep, she. Okay. Looking around, you spot majestic cups as far as the toes can see. Suddenly, smelling in your direction is what looks like an alien tissue creature. Ugh. The doctor pulls out her Sonic, Sonic rug, and shouts, Achoo! <laughs> the creature stops and extends its thumb. The doctor reaches out and shakes the alien's thumb. Oh, no. This could get engorged. <laughs> it got saucy at the end. It did get a little saucy there Or the medical. End. She could be. Yes, you should see a doctor about that thumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for mine, I, I tend to get a little more detailed. So, But there's parts in mine where I get detailed and sometimes where I make it general. But it's it's the playwright in me. I can't just leave things to be. Mm. So this one I've titled, or entitled? Titled? Entitled. Entitled, Abandon Ye Hope. So this is a 13th Doctor special as well. Starring Dante. <laughs> so I, the same thing. They, they go back home for Christmas. Same yep. thing. Where the Doctor, I had in this one, where the Doctor sort of gives an excuse. Like, oh, you need to change your clothes or get some more things. You need to you get know, the hell out of my TARDIS. check up on your jobs and all that. But the real reason is she wants them to kind of check in with their lives. And I have a little quote here where she says, like, you know, people who travel with me can get lost. I don't want you all to forget what you have. All of time and space is wondrous. It's an adventure. But look at each of you. Don't forget those adventures you have here and now. So she wants them to sort of stay in touch. But as you said, yeah, it doesn't celebrate Christmas. And Graham and Ryan don't mind spending it with Team TARDIS. And so then it ends with them back in the TARDIS. And the doctor's like, all right, then let's see what Christmas has for us. And she pulls the switch. And then the credits. <laughs> and then... All right, so the, the TARDIS lands in a cargo hold of an alien ship. But when they open it up, it looks like this sort of tent city. Um, and it's revealed that they're in a refugee ship. And so it's a lot of... So it's mostly women and children of various ages. And there's a few males, but it's, but it's mostly teenagers or young men. Um, there's nearly there's really no many adult men. And so it's the Nazari is the name of this alien species. Ooh. And so I haven't really defined what happened. I have war, climate, disaster, loss of resources. But whatever it was, something happened. And on this refugee ship, so, like, they're not the experts. Like, these aren't, like, it's a, you know, the, the, the people who have taken these positions of captain and engineer really aren't, weren't grown up to be that. They're sort of what's left, you know, sort of the sea team, because that's after this disaster. There's a bunch of ships that have left the planet, whatever it was. Um, this is this ship. What happens is they've been looking for a new home, but they keep getting rejected by places that they're trying to go in, in search of a home planet, and they, they can never, you know, land their ship. And the doctor explains, well, my ship's my home. But she, uh, she, the doctor meets the designated captain, whose name is Cargi Is. 
and young, not super young, but younger. She used to be ahead of an industrial plant at home, but she's sort of now the makeshift captain who's kind of trying to make do being in charge of these people. And the doctor, so they have a little discussion, you know, whoever this guest star is. Did you talk about guest stars? You didn't well, it's, you didn't it's, cast them. Okay. Yeah, it's, okay. it's the, the... Oh, so, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. The so, usual paternoster yes, guy. Exactly. So I don't know who plays this person, but it could be like a, a woman in her 30s or 40s. Sheridan Smith! <laughs> Maybe, there you go. So plays Cargi is. And the doctor talks about not having a home planet herself. And, you know, sometimes not being accepted by other planets when she lands. But it talks about the events of finding a home. And Cargi, you know, does the usual, you know, sounds like you're lonely. And that you might need a family. And Dr. says, well, she has a fam now. And so the captain welcomes her to the AO. That's the name of their ship. The Asterisk Orientum is the name of the ship, but everyone just calls it the AO. <laughs> and so, of course, I want this to be more Yaz focus. So, <laughs> yeah, as we all do. So, Yaz, you know, the, the, the sort of the big thing that's been happening with the ship, you know, not only can they not find a place, um, parts keep missing in the ship. And so the ship's been kind of breaking down every now and then because these parts go miss, go missing. And so Yaz is the little metal eater guy on there. <laughs> and so Yaz meets sort of the engineer called Marion. Us is her last name, and who is a few months pregnant. It's not like you know. I feel like when you're pregnant, you're either like nine months or you're not at all. This one's just like three months. It's not like a baby bump. Um, but that she's the engineer, and her. I don't know what happened to the husband, but you know he got sick or died or whatever. But he's not there on the show. And so Yaz befriends her, but the thing with Marion is that she, you know, talks about you know having a baby, but she's like she hasn't picked a name yet because she doesn't want to have the baby on the ship. She wants to wait till she's on a planet and found a home, and that's when it's sort of the reality is going to come. And so, but she also, on the other hand, almost kind of as Yaz talks more, almost thinks that maybe they won't make it. So what's the point in naming the baby? And so, but anyway, so they talk about what it is to start all over in a new place. Because uh, Marion also talks about well, how scary it is. That, you know, we have to go start everything new. And But Yaz talks about being from an immigrant family. And that, you know, her family, what that's been like, you know, when they had to move to, when her grandmother, right, and moved to Sheffield. Mm-hmm. And, and what it's like, you know, even though she grew up uh, in, in Sheffield, what it was like for her family to grow up. Now, you know, it's, it's, it was tough and explains all the things, but how they could do. But anyway, so the more Yaz talks with this engineer, they talk about, well, maybe there's a security problem on the ship. And so Yaz sort of decides to, to help Marion organize some people into the security force on the ship. And sort of posting guards around um, sensitive sections of the ship, and so I have Yas saying, "I always wanted to be a lieutenant," you know. So I don't, I don't know what they, you know. I assume that's the same thing they call police officers in England as they do here. So, so she kind of become her PC skills. Um, so she's basically organizing a mini police force on the ship. So she's, you know, so that way we're going to see what's going nice, on. Yeah. yeah. So after this, I have cut to sounds of mysterious breathing, small flickering shadows. And you see the silhouette of a small goblin-like shape ripping up parts. (gasps) And there's sparks, and there's shuffling, and there's running away. And you almost hear like a little laughing sound, almost. So I have a bold part explaining what this is, but I'll skip it. So I don't want to give the spoilers here. So then Graham and Ryan, what are they doing? Well, I have them playing with the kids, because there's all these kids, of course. And so, you know, there's a little ball or something. And so Ryan picks it up and starts um, playing football with them. And so Graham, though, is a little hesitant because th- these are aliens. This isn't like humans that we've met all the time. These are proper aliens. There's, it's like a whole makeup job with these folks. 
So they look proper aliens. And so Graham's a little skittish because he's never actually been around, mm-hmm. I don't think yet, a proper alien-looking alien. Not in a positive way. <laughs> right. And so he, he's worried about, like, I don't know, maybe I'll catch a space disease or something. But Ryan just sort of smacks him in the head. <laughs> and so, you know, because he looks at all these kids, of course, you know, they're mostly fatherless kids or orphans or whatever. And, you know, Ryan, that tugs on him a little bit, of course. And he looks mm-hmm. for a way to help. And so in this football match, Graham plays the referee and Ryan's coaching both sides. So that's how they're going to befriend the kids. And this will come out later, what their roles. But that's sort of the C story, them and the kids. So um, the sort of the A or, I don't know, almost the B story, depends, is the doctor and the captain, Cargi. So the doctor manages to get slash fix slash modify slash sonic the ship to be able to, you know, locate another planet. Because they're that's sort of been having problems. And so they find a habitable moon. Okay. No, no one lives there. It looks like it'd be perfect. Um, and so they contact, um, there's a, you know, it's a ground orbiting a planet. So they contact the planet and it's the Herox, um, are, is the species there. And they refuse the Nazari permission to land. They, they give, say, they say, you know, our internal population and we have resources that we could use on there, or we have overpopulation and the Cargi and the doctor try to, you know, appeal the benefits that the Nazari can bring. We have new workers, we have skills. We have different technology. We could help. You know, you're not using this moon. We could do all things. But the Herox refuse and threaten to destroy the ship if it comes close to their space, that they'll fire missiles from their home planet. And the, and the Herox sort of say, you know, we haven't colonized it yet, but it's our, in our 100-year strategic plan to do so. So they're not doing anything, but they don't want anyone else to use it. So anyway, so we cut to more uh, pieces missing, noises heard, scampering, awful sounds. <laughs> exactly. There's slime maybe shown. Of course. Scars on metal from claws. And then we cut to one of the guards that, you know, the patrol that Yath has made. You see them sort of, you know, getting jumped. You hear a scream and then blackout. <gasps> and then in our next part, it turns out the guard was just knocked unconscious. They didn't, Phew. Yeah. But they didn't see what attacked them. But they did report, now they have patrols, they could have seen where these attacks are kind of coming from. And it seems like that all these, these sounds are going towards this one area of the ship where there are these teenage boys and young men. And so we learn that the, these group of young boys, they sort of have kind of a, a discrimination against them because they're the only men who survived. And it's kind of saying, well, why didn't you stay on the planet? Or why didn't do you help more, out? Or why yeah. don't you do more? And so there's suspicions about these groups anyway. So, you know, um, Miriam and Yan sort of look into these guys and, but these guys are sort of almost like, or boys, guys, you know, teenagers. They're, they're angry, though. You know, they're sick of peep planets rejecting them, and they want to strike back. And so, you know, they're all hardcore, and they, they think, you know, we're tired of people telling us what to do. We want to, you know, bring it to them. And so the doctor and the captain, Cargi, notice that these new missing parts, the ones that just got missing, have crippled the ship's propulsion. And the ship is stuck on course towards this moon. Uh-oh. And they also lost communication. And so they go into the TARDIS, and they can still receive messages from the Herox, but they can't send because of some radiation or whatever, because of the ship's propulsion system. And so the missiles have gone on alert in this planet. And they have to stop the ship or change course, or they're going to get destroyed. But they can't. <laughs> All the pieces are missing. So Yaz, using her... Police skills and clues that she's collecting and using investigation techniques. There's this great scene I don't, I mean, between her <laughs> interrogating this head boy, you know, teenager, leader of the gang, 
and it really gets hardcore, and yes, gets into them, and he finally confesses that they did take things, but the only things they've taken are weapons, or things they can use to build weapons, so they can, you know, take it to these other people who won't accept them. Um, and then Doc gives a little speech about how ignorance and hate causes more ignorance and hate and anger and all this stuff. So then Marion, the, the, the young girl, well, the engineer, looks through and says, hey, all the parts that the boys have taken, these aren't the vital parts. This isn't what's causing the problem. And, the, and they talk about the sounds they've heard and the slime and the claws and the boys don't know anything about <laughs> it. Yeah. So Ryan finally comes up and says that the kids have been talking about these sort of imaginary friends and he thinks that might have something to do with it. And so Yaz puts clues together about based on prior attacks and working with the doctor, they create a trap. And so the countdown has already started with the missiles and the locks and something. So, so the trap succeeds and they capture these three gremlins, um, these sort of gremlin elf, and they're small. So the doctor uses this scanner and the sonic and sees it's a cousin to the Pating. Yay. So, but, but I have Graham saying, but nowhere is cute. And Ryan's like, not even a bit. But kids love them. Kids look like ugly things. <laughs> and so the Cargi and Marion want to kill or get rid of them. And the doctor trying to convince them that there has to be another way. And then when Yaz is looking at the scanner, it turns out one of the creatures is pregnant. And so the captain's like, well, that means more of the mongrels. They'll keep stealing our resources until there's nothing left. And then Marion says, like what they say about us. And so there's a little beat there. And the more they think about it, is that I actually haven't hurt anyone. I mean, they're not, you know. And the doctor finds out that they're just sort of taking the the, the propulsion, and they have that sort of the made up iodine or whatever that composes many of the vital ship's components. And the doctor says there has to be another way to feed them. And then while they're talking about, they sort of the, the they've closed the trap, and the children are starting to play with these creatures. And then Ryan and Graham look on. But then suddenly, you know, the alert's going out, the countdown's coming, the ship's being targeted, they all run to the TARDIS, and now that they're close to the planet, they can start to talk to the, uh, to the Heras. And, you know, the doctor and the Yargi, uh, the doctor and the captain are pleading, no, no, and, and yeah, stops him and says, no, no, let Marion speak. And then Marion kind of gives a sort of soft, you know, wonderful short speech about let my child live, let its future come. And so this sort of softens the Herox, but a missile's accidentally been fired. It's already, so it's on its way. And so when they've been talking on the TARDIS, one of the gremlins has sort of been on Ryan's shoulder or whatever. But it sort of runs out, and it chats to the other little gremlins elves, and they sort of have this little electrical sparks that go when they talk. And they start to go to different parts of the ship and do something, which causes the ship to change course, and the missile explodes, and this sort of fireworks thing, but it misses the ships. And then the captain's like, it's amazing what stowaways can bring. And the doctor's like, thanks! And the captain's like, well, I meant, I meant the creatures. <laughs> and the doctor's like, oh, right, the two. <laughs> so this is the closing scene. So then I have the kids are playing football with the gremlins. And Graham's like, those aren't the rules. They aren't playing by the real rules. And Ryan's like, oh, Grandpa, let them make their own rules. And so the captain and Marion, they're not sure that things have changed, really. I mean, they're still where they were when they started. And yeah, says, well, no, of course it has. Look around you. You created your own home here. Think of all the things you've accomplished, the community you've made here. The AO is where your baby should be born. And the doctor says again, you don't need land and sky to call home. The stars can be your home. Don't limit yourself. You'll be surprised the family you find. And she probably looks at all the other people. Her TARDIS team, I have it all in exclamation points. <laughs> and so then they talk about inter intergenerational ship, maybe. And the doctor gives them suggestions of how maybe they can modify their ship to last for generations. And they say goodbye. And Marion says goodbye and says she's finally thought of a name for her baby. Yes. 
And so in the TARDIS, they're ending and grabs asked, or Graham asks the doctor, do you think they'll be right? Be, be all right with that young girl? And the doctor's like, of course, they have a Yaz with them. And, Ra- and Ryan's like, ha, I've seen what a little terror a little Yaz can be. And Yaz is like, all right, ha ha, little Yaz. And then we end on the TARDIS traveling through space. And so that's it. Aww. So obviously we went through an obvious things here. Mm-hmm. My thing that fans will hate when they watch this episode is when they realize the character's name is marrying us. That means the baby's name will be Yazus. <laughs> Philip Gilfus. <laughs> Clever lad. Yeah. Muslim friend. That's <laughs> just mean. So yeah, so that's my story. Nice. Made me a little bit teary. Yeah. It's lovely. So obviously I, I have stole the Christmas story, so mm. but you know, I figured it was appropriate and it works. Yeah. I I was thinking I thought I was thinking a lot about the Christmas story and trying to figure it, but again, <coughs> you know, uh, but you've couched it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So, those are our stories and some of our Mad Libs. And so, with that... If anybody has their own Christmas story... Yeah. By all means, send it our way. Yeah, what you think a 13th Doctor Christmas special could have been. Or, or a ninth Doctor. Neither of us tackled young Eccleston. That's but, right. Uh, Maybe it'll be next Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you've got some ideas, let us know. All right. And with that, we'll go into the TARDIS library. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. Well, after all that sweetness, I think we're going to be reversing the tone. Crikey, yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to do a little bit different for our TARDIS library segment here is we're going to be talking about the episode, The Entire History of You. And if that doesn't sound like a Doctor Who episode, it's because it is. It's isn't. not. No. This is from Black Mirror. And this... Um, premiered 18 December 2011, and the reason we're talking about it is because it starred... Jodie Whittaker. Yes. And so, do you want to read the synopsis for the entire history of you? In the near future, everyone has access to a memory implant that records everything they do, see, and hear. A sort of Sky Plus, or DVR, for your brain. You need never forget a face again, but is that always a good thing? So this starred um, Jodie Whittaker and another guy whose name I don't know. Sorry. And the other guy plays the lead. Yes. But, yeah. Yes. And so this Jodie plays the wife, and it's sort of. It's a, I mean, I guess Black Mirror is always a small story, but the small story is that this future exists, and the guy um, Liam, I think that's the character's mm-hmm. name, goes to a sort of a dinner party, where um, his wife is there, of course, and the wife seems to be paying attention to this other guy, and he's already had sort of a bit of a bad day, and. The long story short is he's you know he becomes jealous or thinks his wife is looking at this other guy becomes paranoid. Yes, yeah, and I think that's interesting about the story because you just think he's going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I did. I was like, man, you need to because it just seems overwhelming. Um, and then I think the use of the technology is very interesting because the technology reminds me almost like of our prime remote, little tiny remote. Yeah, because what you can do is you can go back to any memory in your. Life? memory bank yeah. yeah theoretically in your life and watch it again 
you can zoom in on things that you think might be so it's this ultimate obsession and you can you cannot do that behind your eyes and they do this with this sort of film over your eyes as you're doing it or you can project it to a television screen yeah. so other people can watch it yeah, with but, you and yeah, sort the, of reevaluate and interestingly enough mm -hmm. um i noticed when they come back from their christmas party and they've left their baby at home with the babysitter. They are they immediately scroll through the baby's memories right. to see how the babysitter did, mm -hmm. so which no I more, thought, thought was interesting. Yeah, no more putting a camcorder on the teddy bear. Yes, no, more, <laughs> no more nanny cams. Yeah, yeah, and so it was interesting because the you know the, the husband seems obsessive. Because uh, there's there's some interesting storytelling because there's a little bit of flashbacks to like you know 30 minutes ago or something the way they show things because when he goes back in when everybody when people go back into their own memories yeah, and look back at things the linear stories they have the dinner party and then they invite the chap um, back home with them for an, a drink and then he's like, Liam's like why did I do that I don't even want to see him and she's like well, why'd you invite him and so he's like ah never mind go home and so then it's the next day or basically the whole night he's getting drunk looking over all these things in his memory, you know, in his video memory, um, and thinking about this guy and his wife and, or, you know, Jodie Whittaker. And then he confronts Jodie, I think, before they go to sleep. They have this argument, and then and they kind of make up. But then in the morning, he's, he's drunk, and he accuses her some more. And then he finally drives to the guy's place and confronts him. Because basically the whole story is like, oh, oh, you date. He finds out he da they dated and then suddenly they dated a week or they dated a month and now they dated six months and the story keeps changing from Jodie Whittaker. And so he confronts the guy um, about, you know, erasing all the memories that he has of his wife. And then um, from there he has some revelations about what, yes. ha what really happened between the guy and his wife. Yes, yeah. And it's a really interesting, I mean, obviously it's horrific, mm -hmm. but it's also a little bit of a commentary on our own ability to obsess over things and overthink and overthink and overthink. And if we had the ability to go back and look at, you know, I mean, you, you have a situation and you remember what they said and you remember what you said and you try to remember what their face was and you're overthinking and overthinking and overthinking. This gives you the ability to go back and see it precisely and overthink it. And it's just this overwhelming power, not necessarily in a good way. I mean, even, you know, he gets drunk and, and crashes his car and he still has the ability to go back over all of those things in minute detail. And, that he did while drunk. Yeah, and I'm just not sure that that, that any of that is, is a useful thing to have. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, like, it shows the, the, the positive and the dark. The positive, like you said, before he goes into the house, he has to scroll back what the woman's name who lives there is. Yes, oh, and yeah, figure right. out where they met. Yeah. yeah. And so, but then, you know, as you said, obviously gets into some territory of like, you know, if you can remember old girlfriends and boyfriends you know what would you do with that sort of memory footage 
Oh, and the thought of that makes me so uncomfortable. Not just my own, you know, I think about the ability to go back and see in real time moments I've had with exes and things like that. And that's kind of oogie to begin with. Mm. But if you think also about their ability. Right. So you have exes that it ended badly with or it didn't end badly, but it's just so far gone and their ability to go back and, and you know, relive those, it's just kind of oogie. Yeah. And, cause they, and there's, they introduced one character who's been, what they call it, gauged? Where she, I guess... Gouged. Like, gouged. And she was robbed. What, basically what yeah. happened, because these things sit behind your ear, uh-huh. these electrical things. And she was attacked, and it was ripped out of her, so that it could be sold. Yeah, Yeah. so that it could be sold on the black market for some pervert who wanted somebody else's memories. Right. And she chose not to be reimplanted, and they refer to it as off the grain. I think. Yeah, I think grain is what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so she no longer has one. And she talks about how she really likes it. And then somebody else talks about, you know, oh, memories. and I couldn't do it. You can be manipulated into having false memories and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so I can't do it. So it's an interesting both sides of the argument with that. But, um, yeah. And ultimately, isn't it a commentary about social media and, Mm. you know, going off off the grid and coming off social media completely and the the peace that that must afford at times and and then um but whether people are prepared to to give up the immediate access you know i think the idea of coming off facebook and twitter is fantastic but i keep up with everybody that way and i'd lose so much of my friendship group i think you know, for people overseas, especially, and so, yeah, it's a tough. It's an interesting commentary and a very, very dark way of thinking about it. And as far as like the Jody Whitaker aspect highlights, I mean, I don't know if we want to spoil the ending. I probably don't want to. I don't know. But anyway, nah. I would say that from her standpoint, it's very interesting having to play that part with what comes at the end. You know, then if you would watch it again and see where she's. What she's doing and where she's coming from. Yes. Um, because we're all sort of seeing Liam as a sort of obsessed, I don't know, weirdo. But it's sort of very interesting to look at her perspective. And I was reading a wiki article. This is the directors basically told them two different, the two actors, two different things. So they oh, wouldn't, really? They wouldn't know how the other person was going to react. Or I don't know. Oh, that was just a Wikipedia. Interesting, yeah. Um, but anyway, and so I just thought it was very interesting how she ultimately had to... I mean, it's very that was a very hard performance, I would think, especially at the end. Mm-hmm. That you had to do it was a very powerful, a lot of stuff you had to do. Well, and there has to be... You have to have your own backstory in your head mm-hmm. and your own justification for that backstory in order to play any of it. You know, it's not something that you can walk in as a performer and go from beginning to end. You mm-hmm. have to know everything in order to start at the beginning. So if you need a little, uh, you know, don't mind a little darkness of a story, I think this yeah, is definitely Yeah, it's Black good. Mirror, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's well written, it's tense, it's... Yeah, I'm doing a lot of that at the minute. We need to watch some more of uh, 
What are we watching right now? Oh, a very English scandal. Uh, no, what? no. The other one, the Simon Pegg. Oh, Spaced. Spaced. Yes, of course. We need to watch more of that. I need to, to go back and rewatch some of those episodes because I need a little light in my life. Yet. <laughs> um, between a very English scandal, between Black Mirror, I just finished watching Night Manager. My anxiety levels are through the roof with, uh, with my television choices. Well, some good news is that next week we'll be talking about new Doctor Who. Yes! Very exciting, very exciting. You don't have to listen to how we would do it, <laughs> but you get to see how they actually did it, which is, you know... I mean, I don't know. Some people may find it preferable. Some people might find our versions are better. That's right. So feel uh, free to uh, contact us with those um, script writing contracts. Yes, absolutely. We're on it. We'd make a great husband. We would not make a good no, husband and wife team, I don't think, actually, in retrospect. No, we could never work together. Fortunately, we have two microphones now, so it's moot. That's right. Well, until <laughs> then... Press the moot button, and then we can't hear each other. Anymore. You don't know how microphones work. All right, until <laughs> next week... Enjoy watching, reading, and listening to Doctor and her adventures throughout time Time and and space. This is BBC Television.